and Dennis. We started talking last week about the hormonal effect of some herbal medicine. We did, Jane. We didn't get very far because the switchboard wouldn't allow us. It was overloaded. But, uh, look, it's a good topic, and if we get a chance to talk about it today, we'll just talk about the way in which some herbs are useful, particularly for women's problems, because they contain chemical constituents, colloquially known as phytoestrogens. We might take that up. And we're very happy to take your calls as well because you always come up with some great topics. So 49216216 to get your question through. And uh, Dennis, we're talking about herbs, several herbs, have mm. we, with good hormonal effects. Look, I thought we'd touch on that topic, Jane. A number of weeks ago we were looking at the herb saw palmito and looking at its relationship uh, to the prostate gland. And a lot of listeners may not have appreciated that when we talked about that herb and its benefit on that gland, um, it's understandable that it would do something because it contains a hormonal substance known as a liposterolic extract. We didn't get into that, and perhaps it was a bit too technical. But uh, in taking up the topic today, it's important to get over to listeners that modern herbal medicine is very much interested in looking at the herb and trying to locate within the herb those constituents that have the claimed benefits uh, for the herb. And the deeper we go in our investigations using what's called phytochemical analysis, we find that many of our most important herbs yield their secret, and frequently that secret is associated with plant-based hormonal substances and in the case of many herbs that are used to address, say, the menopause, many of those herbs would have what we call phytoestrogens. In other words, many of the herbs we use are understandable. They have a credible uh, explanation as to how they affect, uh, say, the, if we use the, the menopause as an example, they have a credible explanation behind how they benefit uh, menopausal symptoms, and that is associated, as I've said, with, with chemicals, particularly the phytoestrogens. And, and that's why many uh, women today, many, many women, I think uh, listeners would be surprised at how many women working through what used to be called the change or what we refer to as the menopause are in fact choosing initially to use uh, natural remedies rather than retreat to mainstream hormone replacement therapy. Not that I'm opposed to hormone replacement therapy per se. Some situations demand it. But it's fair to say, Jane, that there's been a retreat from the emphasis on hormone replacement therapy for all sorts of reasons. And as a result of that, many, many women experiencing some of the unpleasant symptoms that can, but not always, accompany the change are reverting to the herbs, those herbs as I've said, contain credible substances known as phytoestrogens. Now, immediately you will ask, well, what are some of those herbs? Well, they're very, they're very, they're very well-known herbs. In fact, uh, listeners might be intrigued to know, for instance, that a common pasture herb, red clover, botanically known as Trifolium pretensi, it contains very, very strong levels of phytoestrogens and has led to commercial uh, products being developed around red clover. I think one of them is called Promensal, a very good product. And a lot of women get benefit from that product that incorporates red clover because it contains 
what we refer to as phytoestrogens. So is it as, or can it be as simple as going out and picking a few red clover leaves? No, no. it's not. <laughs> not. Not quite as simple as that. Although, although it's interesting you should, you, you raise that because pastures, uh, that have been developed, uh, to produce the red clover frequently can cause complications in grazing animals. The amount of red clover that they ingest obviously is very significant and it can have hormonal ramifications. But as far as the human use of red clover is concerned, what happens there is uh, knowing what we do that it contains these phytoestrogenic substances, uh, what the industry does is, is grow particular strains of red clover that maximise the content of the phytoestrogens and that subject the herb or the plant, call it what you like, <laughs> to, to an extraction process. And what that actually does then is, is, is see that herb uh, processed so that at the end of it you get a product usually in a powdered form which has been concentrated and standardised to have a particular level of these phytoestrogens in it. That then forms the basis of, say, products such as I've mentioned. And that's generally the technique that's used these days. Uh, the American herb, black cohosh, for instance, is, is another herb that contains what are called phytoestrogens. And uh, remifemin, for instance, is a product in the, in the marketplace, an over-the-counter product, which incorporates that American herb. And uh, listeners might be interested to know that that herb is, is commercially grown, mainly in the United States where it comes from, has a long, long history of use in, in female health problems. And again, commercially today, the, the herb would be harvested or grown, um, picked at the right time, and subjected to what we call an extraction process, which converts the crude herb into a tangible uh, pharmaceutical powder, if you like, which then becomes the basis. But interestingly, and this might fascinate uh, some women out there, the most popularly used herb in France to deal with menopausal symptoms, particularly flushing and perspirational problems, is not a sophisticated commercial product at all. It's simply a simple infusion of red sage. Red sage. Now, the, the, the French have always been great users of herbs and are great uh, users of a lot of traditional things. And so in many continental countries, but particularly France, rather than revert to a pharmaceutical or a sophisticated herbal product, many women would revert to just using sage tea. And some of the best responses that I've had after all other things have failed has been associated with recommending that women go to a health food store, even the pharmacy or the supermarket, and buy some red sage and drink two to three cups of it a day. In most cases, it will take the edge, particularly off perspirational symptoms. So there's a bit of a run-through. This is Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. We're taking your calls on 49216216. Sandra's rung in from New Lambton. Hello, Sandra. Oh, hi, Dennis. I'm just um, asking a, a little question mm -hmm. to you about chillblains. Yes, yes. I suffer from them really badly on my fingers, um, especially on my right-hand uh, ring finger, so badly that the nail actually 
has got infected oh, um, previously. Okay. Not not this year, but previously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I do all the right things. I exercise. I eat healthily. Um, I wear gloves. I keep warm. Um, and it, it just doesn't make any difference. And I was wondering, is there mm-hmm. like a herb or okay. some mineral that might be lacking? Okay. Look, my starting base uh, for this condition is always associated with a group of herbs that we refer to professionally as circulatory stimulants. Now, these are very safe herbs, and and that term circulatory stimulant is just a definition to describe the way in which a group of herbs seem to promote improvement in peripheral circulation. And there are two herbs particularly that I have found useful for this uh, if they're taken in the right dose. The, the, The first one is an American herb that's not well known, um, but it's available in most, um, how can I call it, professional practices. It's available at my rooms at New Lambton, but other uh, herbalists would have it as well. It's a herb called prickly ash. Right. It's an, Ameri- okay. it's an American herb, and w- its, its indication is associated with peripheral circulatory insufficiency. Now, that's a mouthful, but I have found over <laughs> the years recommending that has helped a lot of people deal better with this problem. At the same time, at the same time, it works beautifully in a synergistic relationship with ginger. Right, so, so, okay. So if, if you were to get, say, a liquid formulation uh, dispensed from a pharmacist or a herbalist or a naturopath, uh, a combination of prickly ash and ginger, uh, yeah. dosed, dosed correctly, and taken, right. taken across the day may, right. give you, may give you some improvement in the situation. Start there, start right. there, and okay. see, see how you go. You'd need, to be right. on it, you'd need to be on it a week or two to be able to assess it, but it is not an expensive treatment, and it's, okay. it's safe, and it yes. may take the edge off the condition, prickly ash and ginger. Good luck with that, Sandra. And 49216216 is the number for your question. Uh, Jacqueline has rung in. Hello. Oh, hello. How are you? Hello, Jacqueline. Um, I just wanted to add to the options for menopausal symptoms. Yes. I've had great success with linseed. Oh, I just about sprinkle that? it on my cereal, yes. and you can buy it at the supermarket for yes. about $4, and off I go. Very, very good. What, what sort of uh, menopausal symptoms were you having, Jacqueline? Oh, this was for hot flush and foggy okay. thinking, okay. and the linseed meal has just turned me back to what I used to be. Well, how about that? And, and that's, a, that's a very economical way, isn't it, of dealing with the situation? Probably as economical as using sage tea. Quite possibly. Well, I grew the sage for that purpose. Oh, did you really? I didn't have any, I didn't have any success with the sage tea, so um, I've tried a few things, but mm. for me, and, and everybody's individual, but for me the linseed meal was just miraculous. But it took about three or four weeks to kick in. And, and, and what you've said, Jacqueline, uh, is, is interesting. What I've noted is that with um, some of the conditions that, that women experience, what works for one uh, patient or person may not necessarily work for the other person. And that's why I encourage women who are reverting to using uh, some of the natural approaches before they go to heavier medication not, be, not to be discouraged if, after having used one product, you're not getting the result. Don't give up. Move through some of the options, such as yours, 
which is readily available, very safe, and a good talk with a health food store proprietor would point you in the right direction. I was quite interested in um, if the linseed didn't work, which it has so yes, far, yes. but I was quite interested also in the maca root. Have you had any success okay. with that? Uh, maca or maca root is a, is a well-known um, South American food or herb, depending on how you call it. It is riddled with hormonal characteristics and, and in fact, is used in some infertility procedures, particularly in the United States and in South America. I have not used it uh, for menopausal problems because I have found that the remedies that I spoke about earlier, generally speaking, do the job. But with reference to maca, which is readily available in our health food stores, our good health food stores, um, it is being used very, very frequently uh, by large numbers of ladies in the uh, United States and South America to deal with the change. So thank you very much for those suggestions and uh, that discussion, Jacqueline. That's really good. Uh, Barry now from Cardiff. Hello, Barry. Yeah, hi. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, Barry. Um, I had a question about Astragalus 8. Yes, yes. I've been taking it for a while, and I was wondering if it raises the potassium level in the blood. Look, I've never had that, um, I've never had that feedback, um, Barry. There's, each of those herbs, um, is represented in very, very small amounts. Uh, none of them, in my opinion, would carry, uh, hard, hard, solid levels of, uh, of, of potassium. Uh, you're on medication from your doctor that's, uh, encouraged you to be cautious about potassium supplementation, are you? Well, that's correct. Yeah. I had a blood test yes. done. Um, just last week and mm-hmm. had the results on Friday yes. and the potassium levels were very high. Okay. Um, I've been taking astragalus for yes. a, about a month or so. Yeah. I just yeah. wondered if that mm-hmm. would contribute to it at all. No. In, in a month, it, it would be barely uh, stimulating any physiological benefits, Barry, so I would be very, very sceptical about uh, the, that combination doing that, certainly in that short period of time. Astragalus and the effect of astragalus is, is something that's slow in asserting itself, uh, and it, it doesn't have any significant cumulative effect within the body. So I would doubt it very much, Barry. But okay, look, fine. Thank you mm, very much yeah. for your help. I really appreciate it. Okay, Barry. And uh, we'll move to Carrington now, and uh, Sandra. Hello, Sandra. Hello. Um, my son's got bad dermatitis on his hands. Oh, dear, dear. A, mm. And he said he can't wear gloves in the job he's working. Yes, yes. Um, and he said it gets that itchy, he scratches it and it bleeds. Oh, dear, dear. Now, he's ha- tried a lot mm. of stuff, but mm. I'm just wondering what okay. could be a good idea that you might have for him. He's, he's obviously seen his GP, has he? Yes, yes. Good. And the GP has prescribed a steroid cream or something like that? Yes, something like that, yes. But he's reluctant to keep using it because using steroid creams ongoingly is not an ideal thing. No. Look, um, what I suggest he do, or what I suggest I do for you, Mm -hmm. is is send you, uh, free of charge, a, Mm -hmm. a jar of my GA cream, which I developed particularly for dermatitis and eczema patients many, many mm-hmm. years ago. Feedback from patients over the years has been very good. And mm-hmm. if you hang on, uh, the producer will take your name and address 
and mm-hmm. I'll send you a jar of my GA cream for your son to use. And yes. if, if he does well on it, he can repeat it by purchasing it from my rooms at New Lampton, 39 Alma Road, if he does well. So ah, you've, right. take, you've taken the trouble to ring the program. I'm interested in dermatitis. That is, in fact, what got me into this profession over 30 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, I, had, uh, I had very, very bad eczema, which is virtually synonymous with dermatitis. And mm-hmm. as a young uh, graduate engineer uh, mm-hmm. working in Sydney, and in those days we wore, all wore white shirts and worked on drawing boards where there was a lot of white paper, my yeah. hands were very, very <laughs> awesome, particularly when, <laughs> the, when the eczema was weeping and inflamed. And uh, yeah. I cured my eczema as a result of using natural procedures and decided uh-huh. that uh, I'd get out of engineering and get into complementary medicine. So I'd be surprised if we couldn't do something for your son. Health Naturally, for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre, taking your calls on 49216216. Dennis, we've just been talking about uh, skin conditions mm. and um, dermatitis mm. and all its mm. variations and uh, are there other herbs as well that can be used or what herbs can be used for skin okay. conditions? Uh, Jan, I, re- I referred to the GA cream, which is a product that I've worked with for years and years and years. Um, there's an interesting history associated with that that goes right back uh, to articles in British medical journals many, many years ago before the advent of steroid creams uh, where a substance known as glycotinic acid, which is the active principle of licorice, was being used successfully by dermatologists in the UK, and I suspect here, although I'm not sure, where um, a couple of ointments based on the extract of licorice uh, were being used to treat eczema, dermatitis, and some even used to address psoriasis. So I took up the challenge of that years ago, and um, at a time when, as far as I'm aware, there are not too many uh, products in dermatology uh, and I stand contradiction on this, but I think I'm right. There are not too many products being dispensed or prescribed by dermatologists based on glycotinic acid. I introduced it into my own practice and have uh, lectured on it all around Australia. And I know a number of uh, compounding pharmacists that have studied with me are making it up for their clients as well. It is based on an extract of licorice. And, and listeners from today's program would uh, pick up that Herbs contain so-called active principles which in their concentrated state can carry out a genuine healing effect. Well, one of the other great discoveries associated with skin conditions of a much perhaps much more serious nature was my discovery probably 25, maybe even 30 years ago of the, the benefits of honey. In, in addressing skin conditions. And, and honey today, we've spoken about it, Jane, honey today is much more popularly used, even in mainstream medicine, than what it was, say, 30 years ago. I remember in this town, when I was treating a lady at, at um, Broadmeadow who had a huge ulcer on the ball of her foot, uh, where her vascular specialist was recommending amputation and where her GP was throwing up his hands in horror because uh, it was going nowhere and the lesion was nasty. I was treating that lady there with honey ointment and um, that lady's foot was saved and I wrote a paper on that. Now, the interesting thing about the honey ointment was that it goes back 
to my experience as a young radical in Sydney, as a young radical engineer, what a combination. I mean, engineers aren't renowned for their radicalism, but this is the day of the Vietnam protest, etc. And in my lunch hours, I used to wander the streets of Sydney, frequenting the bookshops. And right at the end of Pitt Street, opposite what used to be the People's Palace, very auspicious residence, um, Definitely. Used, used to be the Red Chinese Communist Bookshop. <laughs> and, and I was in there one day flicking through all the, the English translations of, and I came across two very important books that had a big impact on my career. And one of them was basically entitled to the effect of Bees and the Therapeutic Effect of Honey written by two Russians, even though the Chinese and the Russians weren't friends and they had their communist bookshops at either end of the city. Um, Here was a book written by two Russians and in that was a very, very interesting formula, a formula developed by Russian medical practitioners to actually treat battle wounds during the Second World War at a time when antibiotics weren't known and where there was not much to dress wounds. Russian doctors at the front were dressing bullet wounds and other things with honey ointment and having good success, and the formula was there. So I thought, if this can be used to address a serious lesion such as a bullet wound, it could be useful for addressing slow healing ulcerative wounds. And so I developed my Melderma honey ointment, and the rest is history, so to speak. So, so honey... Honey is a remarkable agent. We said earlier that an extract of licorice is remarkable in dealing with inflammatory skin conditions. Honey, in, 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 in its right form, and I'm going to say something here that's a little bit controversial. I was using straight-out Australian honey ointment even before New Zealand Manuka honey ointment hit the world stage and getting results, in my opinion, as effective then as what I get now using Manuka. So I'm a little bit sceptical about whether one sort of honey is better than the other. Remember, the Greeks were doing the same, and they certainly weren't travelling to New Zealand to get Manuka honey. So, <laughs> so for ulcerative lesions that are slow healing, uh, look, I could, write, I could write papers on the number of people that I've been able to help, even at New Lambton, uh, where particularly with diabetic patients, nasty, nasty lesions on the peripheries have taken up remarkably. Not in all cases, that would be silly to say that. But my point is, and uh, the information I'm giving to listeners is, if you have a lesion that's not doing well, raise it with your GP. Most GPs these days are not adverse to using honey. My mother's leg, I argue, was saved as a result of her medical managers agreeing to use honey ointment. Um, Raise it with your GP. Get the community nurse to monitor it. And I'd be surprised if honey doesn't live up to its reputation in an ointment form. Now, just as a, as a follow-on from that, mm. is the ointment very different in its composition from the honey itself? Okay. Um, the ointment obviously has to have other constituents uh, in order to hold it together. Uh, some uh, use of honey today is just straight out using honey itself on the lesion. I think uh, Medi honey is a good example of that. Um, I've always used or prefer to use it in an ointment base, which usually incorporates things like beeswax. And in in Melderma honey ointment, which I developed based on the Russian formula, it also contains some cod liver oil. Now, cod liver oil 
is very, very interesting. If you, and I've read the Greek literature, I'm not a Greek um, speaking person, but I've read the English translation of a lot of the Greek writings uh, and a lot of the, um, the writings of, of, of the Romans, and the Romans and Greeks were using cod liver oil as successfully in treating skin lesions as honey. And so it comes as no surprise in the formula that I was talking about that cod liver oil is a component together with honey. So in the Melderma honey that I developed, it's an ointment in a beeswax base. It incorporates some cod liver oil. It incorporates some, some honey. And in recent times, I've gone a little bit ahead of the Russians and I've incorporated some allantoin. And allantoin is a substance that made the herb comfrey famous. And it's something that stimulates a lot of tissue repairs. This is Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre, taking your calls, 49216216, and talking about all sorts of interesting things. And uh, we're going now to, who have we got? Anna, who's rung in from Martins Creek. Hello, Anna. Hello. How are you? How are you, Anna? I love your segment on the radio. What do you? Yes, and I would like to give you some information about my use of honey. Good on you. I I was introduced to honey at Western Suburbs Hospital in Newcastle. Really? Um, When I gave birth to my daughter, I had to have stitches. Yes. And I wasn't healing. Yes. And they came in, the doctor came in and he said, we're going to give you salt bath, ray lamp and honey dressing. And I went, oh, okay. So Uh we went ahead with that and they... But we had the salt bath and the ray lamp, and next thing, a little, little couple of packets of breakfast honey came in, like you put on your toast. Yes. And I applied that, and I have been using honey in that way for 32 years on anything and everything. Oh, that's and lovely. Just straight out of the jar. What a lovely story. And, what a lovely uh, story. Even my friends, I'll say to them, you know, they might have a, you know, pimples or yeah, some yeah, sort of irritation, yeah. something else. They go home and put honey on it. Oh, and they come up and say to me, I can't believe it. That's wonderful, isn't it? What a good story. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And that, 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 would, have, that would have been genuine, just ordinary, genuine yeah, Australian yeah, honey. Just yeah, honey yeah. off the jar. I yeah, keep the jar in the bathroom. Yep. In the medicine cupboard, yep. I even used to use it on my dog when he got into a scrap. Well, that's a lovely story, Anna. I, I totally swear by it. Yeah, it doesn't have on. to be anything special, just, just honey out of a jar. You've got your own beehives. Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, got what a pity. That's something I hope I will have down the track, but um, <laughs> I'm um, just the biggest believer in the healing properties of honey, and I'm, yeah. I'm always saying to people, if you get onto it early, get the honey on it, it'll go away. That's it'll lovely. Good on you, Anna. Thanks, thanks for ringing. Thanks for sharing it too. Di's rung in from Redhead now. Hello, Di. Hello. Hello, Di. Hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fine, thank you. I was just ringing about um, a thyroid condition. My mm-hmm. son's just recently been diagnosed as borderline underactive thyroid. Yes. Uh, and he was wondering if there's anything he can do um, to not go down that road. Well, look, he's only been diagnosed as borderline. I, I would be encouraging you um, not to do anything. I'd be encouraging you to work with his medical managers. Uh, the thyroid, in my experience, is a gland that can go up and down, and it is a gland that responds, in my opinion, very well to the modern medical approach. And now, that might sound strange coming from someone like me, but you have heard me before say that I have no problem with mainstream medicine. Where it works well, it works well. Um, I would be suggesting that you be governed 
by what your GP or your specialist says. See where it travels to. He's not on medication yet. Give it a chance to sort of indicate where it's going. But if he has to use um, medical management for it, it's a very successful, straightforward, in my opinion, very safe treatment, Di. Okay, then. Thanks for your help. Good on you. Thanks, Di. Thanks, Di. And four nine two one six two one six is the number. We've still got time for a call or two more. Cheryl has rung in from Mayfield. Hello, Cheryl. Hello, Dennis. Look, I'm in for my daughter. She yes. was in hospital in Ma- uh, March, mm-hmm. and uh, they put a cannula in, and yes. now she's got tendon and nerve pain in her hand, mm. and they've just told her she's got to live with it. It's hard, and they've got her on Valium, and I don't want her on that. How long has the uh, thing been going on for, Cheryl? Since March, since they had the cannula in. Okay. But they damaged the nerve and that for her. Has, she's under a neurologist, is she? Uh, she goes to a neurologist, okay. um, but, um, yeah, but I just thought maybe you okay. have something that could uh, look, help her. Look, your neurologist is correct in saying that the thing will, in time, resolve itself, probably. Um, mm. What I would be suggesting is that you try a couple of little things. They're not going to hurt and they're, they're inexpensive, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. From my own experience with a nerve-based condition that was affecting um, my walking, actually, I found that using high doses of magnesium helped mm-hmm. me greatly. And to this day, and my wife will vouch for this, uh, every morning I take 400 milligrams of magnesium mm-hmm. And I can only vouch for the fact that what was developing to a pretty uncomfortable neurological problem, I suspect coming from, from my deteriorating spinal column, uh, mm. that, it, that it gave me pretty good relief. So as a starting base, try that. It's very mm-hmm. inexpensive, readily available, will not clash with any medication. Go to your local health food store or pharmacy, try some magnesium. Mm-hmm. Now, something from left field here. I know homeopathic medicine is controversial. It's not Mm -hmm. controversial with me because I have seen it work remarkably well in particular cases over the years. There is a homeopathic medication known as Hypericum. I'll spell it for you. H-Y-P-E-R-I-C-U-M, Hypericum. Mm -hmm. Now, it is recommended to be prescribed in what's called the 6C potency. Now, I know this sounds a little bit esoteric, and I'm trying to give you a lecture quickly in homeopathy, which is wrong. (laughs) But um, if you were to read the writings of a beautiful lady that's passed on now, a medical practitioner known as Dr. Dorothy Shepard, remarkable lady who who wrote a beautiful book called The Physician's Posy, medical practitioner using herbs and homeopathy. She's probably one of Britain's um, best homeopathic Doctors, a lot of doctors mm-hmm. used homeopathy in those days, still do in the United Kingdom. The faculty teaching it there. If you were to read Dorothy Shepard's book, you would understand why my enthusiasm for Hypericum has been mm-hmm. passed on to you. It's available from homeopathic pharmacies. You would probably pick it up from Visionary Health in Hamilton, and right. it would come in a tablet or a liquid form. If you were to read Shepard's literature, you would understand why I'm recommending uh, hypericum in a homeopathic dosage for nerve damage. Mm-hmm. For nerve damage. Get the two preparations. As I say, they're not expensive. The worst thing that can happen is they might not give you the level of uh, success you're yes. looking for, but you're mm-hmm. not going to pay an arm and a leg for it. Right, so it's hypericum, um, magnesium. Hypericum, hypericum and magnesium. And, 
and I'll get both of them at Hamilton. Look, you should be able to get them from um, um, Visionary Health. Um, they're good people there. Um, mm-hmm. I know Rose Shamley, who was the proprietor there and a good friend of mine. I know he was stocking homeopathic medicines. I suspect they do the same. If, if you can't, get up to my rooms at New Lambton and we'll source, source the product for you. Okay, then. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks for your call, Cheryl. Um, Brian, another skin condition from Blacksmiths. Good day, Brian. Hello, Dennis. I, I just listened to you a while ago. Oh, yes. I'm on eczema. Yes. Um, my boy has um, a lot of problems with, with his eczema. And yes. he's, what he does is do the scratching yes. condition. He's um, contacted Staphylococcus quite a few times. Yes, dear, dear. First time, put him in hospital, and he's ended up with artificial valve in his heart. Oh dear! He's been back three times now. I've just come. I've just got back from um, Sydney myself. Had the last three weeks stuff with him. Stuff a coughless again. Went to the back of his brain this time. Oh dear! Had to go on the back and clamp it off. Um, dear, he's, dear. Home, he's home now. Suspected a little bit of his vision, but what he uses is a cream called I think it's called GV uh, GV cream. QV. QV, sorry, yes. Okay, uh, yep. I think that's a, is it a petrochemical? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't got it in front of me here, but I do know of QV, uh, a product called QV. QV, that'll be yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Does that give him benefit? Um, it does a little bit, but it doesn't sort of um, clear it up enough, if you know what I mean. He's still, mm. you know, he's got, to, he's, he's got to continually keep putting it on. How old, how old is your boy, Brian? Um, he's, He's 47 now. Okay, okay. Has he, uh, is he using any oral medication like prednisone or anything like that to manage it? Um, not that I know of. Okay. Look, in, in, my, in my opinion, in my opinion, eczema can be helped particularly with what I call natural medicine. I could talk a whole program on this. What I suggest he does, Brian, is give my rooms a ring on 49562321. Four nine five six two three two one two one. We'd, yeah. we'd be happy to talk to him and give him a few ideas. Um, if he's that stage of his life and he's not winning with eczema, in my opinion, he's pretty well obliged to try some yeah, of the um, some of the alternatives. Yeah, I did. I did mention the honey to him, but I, I, I don't no, know if he honey, bought the right honey. He said honey, it was too, too, too honey, sticky and carrying yeah. on. So honey, honey would not be appropriate, in my opinion, oh, for eczema. Okay. Uh, okay. The, the GA cream might, but if your son's eczema is so systemic, in my opinion, you need to be looking at some of the things that complementary therapists would recommend, oral medication in particular. Okay, okay, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for your call, Brian. We're getting close to the end of the program. But we are. We've had a lot to do with the skin today, haven't we? We have indeed. Mm, mm. And uh, you were talking about, comf- just in our last yes, minute, yes. you were talking about comfrey, yes, I think, before. Yes. And there are uh, other things that uh, could be useful for skin conditions. Well, comfrey, so. of course, was a very, very popular herb. I g- grew up professionally on comfrey and, and still argue that it's one of the most remarkable herbs. But unfortunately, um, years ago, it was uh, marginalised or uh, set aside by the authorities because um, it contained a particular alkaloid, a pyrolizidine alkaloid, which in chronic ingestion, taking it over a significant period of time, could precipitate liver problems. So honey became unpopular as a result of that, but, I'm, I'm sorry, comfrey became unpopular because of that, but the reputation that comfrey developed around its name Knitbone, because comfrey was always used therapeutically 
to treat fractures and things like that, the herb comfrey and its colloquial name nitbone led to the reputation of allantoin because that which made comfrey work in promoting healing of bones was its constituent allantoin. And to this day, I have patients who will present and purchase allantoin powder and get the comfrey effect in helping slow healing fractures. And that's wonderful. So thanks very much for that, and thanks to all our callers. Yeah, we had a good some day, great, didn't we? Lovely day. Great topics. Mm. So uh, we'll be back next uh, Friday after the midday news on to a new RFM with Health Naturally and Dennis Stewart and your questions. Coming up next, we've got the news, and then we'll be talking travel with Sally Lucas. <laughs> 